Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Wednesday, February 9th, and this will be a hoops-filled episode as we look back at three wins for Virginia Tech men's hoops over the last couple of days and also back-to-back wins for the women's team. On episode 223, we'll also look ahead at Virginia Tech's big games coming up, all three at home against Syracuse, Virginia, and North Carolina. All of that and much more coming up on episode 223 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in to episode 223 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, however you are taking it in, whether that's on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or if you are on our YouTube channel, be sure to subscribe if you are there, and also like and drop a comment. If you are in the live stream, leave a comment or question for Will or Chris, and we'll get to those with David at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast is brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. A phenomenal season for the wrestling program at Virginia Tech continues to roll on. You can help bring Olympic hopeful athletes to Blacksburg. Be sure to visit southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. We have our all-star crew on set today. Will Stewart across the way, founder and general manager of TechSideline.com, lead analyst and columnist for TechSideline, Chris Coleman to my right. In the fourth chair today, managing editor David Cunningham, give us some expertise on the basketball programs. Malcolm Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land behind the scenes, and I am your host, Jake Lyman. Let's get started, guys. It's been a fun week. Uh, no losses to speak of over the last week <laughs> since we, we uh, spoke last for this Virginia Tech team. Went over Georgia Tech and back-to-back over Pitt. So first, a little house cleaning. So Malcolm, put the, okay, you got the camera on me and Chris. I'm Will Stewart. That's Chris Coleman. Um, I think if you only watch us on video, you may not be sure, but part of that's part of that's our fault. I keep saying that we need to put like when we're talking, we need to put the the things down at the bottom that say who we are. We, we could have the mm. Nick Brown graphics and just put little pieces of paper. Hi, my name is Will. I got an email from someone who was talking about Chris's behavior and I'm like, I don't think that's Chris. I think that's me. <laughs> um, so, and the other thing I wanted to throw in there is that I got uh, someone emailed me and said, you know, you need to do a better job of letting us know when you're going to go live with the podcast. And <clears throat> this person's not wrong. You know, it's a moving target and and we announce it generally like an hour before it goes live. So so this person's right. We're not great at that. But one way you can cure that is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And what happens is if you're subscribed to a YouTube YouTube channel and that YouTube channel goes live, you get an email 
that says, hey, there's a live show right now. So, And if you have YouTube on your phone, you can click, there's a notification bell on the channel as well. You can click that and you'll get a notification on your phone. Whenever. I think you may have to do the notification thing, not just the subscribe okay. thing. I think so, you're right. So make sure, hit subscribe. And also there's a notification bell on there as well for anybody watching on YouTube. I also try and mention Will across the way, Chris to my right, uh, but hopefully people know who... Will Stewart, Chris Coleman. So, I, so I've, I've started to watch more and more videos on YouTube, and <clears throat> so I was watching. I'm, I'm interested. I'm looking at Acura TLXs, and uh, uh, I was watching a comparison comparison test between that and the, the Genesis G70. And the guys who, you know, the guys who are really good on YouTube, they're a little bit more dynamic when they start their videos. Man, they get right into it. They show the cars doing, you know. And so I'm thinking we might revamp our uh, our intro here at the podcast. We might have to. We might have to. Well, let, let's jump. Sorry in. for that tangent. No, <laughs> let's jump into some hoops. Uh, let, let's go game by game over the last week. We we last recorded last Tuesday uh, on February first, uh, and Georgia Tech game was the next day. You have to say, at least up until that point, it felt like that was the most complete game we saw from Virginia Tech. It started to look like the team everybody expected heading into the season. Imagine that. You play the worst teams in the league. You start looking like <laughs> you a start looking better. basketball team. Uh, some of these teams, like, like everybody has a player who averages in double figures and is their best player, right? Um, sometimes it's not clear whether that player is actually any good or they're just a guy who – averages double figures because somebody has to and they right. happen to be the best player on <clears> the team uh i thought so so when virginia tech was uh going in to play georgia tech i'm like okay this devoe guy seems pretty good but is it because <laughs> he plays georgia tech plays for georgia tech well, it turns out he's really good turns out he's really good i thought hunter couture's defense on him was great and he still dropped 30 right, on us. right and uh but yet he's their only player who's any good is yeah. what it seems like to me that is a bad basketball team I thought it was going to be the worst basketball team I saw Virginia Tech play all year. And then I saw them play Pitt. Twice. Twice. <laughs> Twice in three days. Yeah. Um, just it's insane to me how bad ACC basketball has gotten. Because yeah. I don't know that either one of those teams would have won any games in the ACC so far, except against themselves, I guess. Right. Um, against each other, I mean. Like five years ago when the ACC was really good and Boston College went 0-18. I, right. I, I just I, – I don't – I don't know if like Georgia Tech would win any games against an ACC like that. But, but, but now there's several ACC teams like that, man, and so the, which is sad. And, and watching Pittsburgh, and we'll get, we'll get into the Pittsburgh stuff soon, but uh, John Hughley, is that his name? Yeah. Yes. Came in with big numbers and yes. was just invisible. That, that's what I was getting at. In but, two games against Virginia Tech. Yeah, you did you much nothing. Wrong. Right. You, and, you know, Virginia Tech did a good job doubling him. And this, they got a good scouting report on him because every time they – they they double him when he got the ball in the corner, and he'd turn it over. Yeah, you know. So they seem to have a really good good scouting report on his strengths and weaknesses. Um, so maybe he's better than than I give him credit for. And Tech just had a good scouting report on him. But that's the point I was trying to get to. Is like, you look at numbers, and you're like, okay, the, are these guys good, really good, or or do they just play on bad teams? And somebody has to score a certain amount of points by default. To me, it looks like Devoe actually is really good, and. But Pitt, man, they just their talent level is just. I mean, I thought Georgia Tech's shot selection was horrible, just horrible, and the skill level of the players on their shooting. I mean, there's so many just bad shots. I mean, just they aren't even close to going in. They look like line drives, and 
Yeah. What a relief it is to finally play teams like that. Yeah. And, well, and, I guess. I mean, we I need to get some Ws and feel. We better. needed to get some Ws. It doesn't necessarily to make it the record. Look I was gonna say it doesn't. You tech needed ACC wins. It right, right, right. Doesn't necessarily help. It doesn't your, help the resume net or anything. But if you'd lost them, it hurts you a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, but the net is different. It takes efficiency. So the the thing that was circulating on Twitter, uh, I believe yesterday was. UVA goes to Duke and beats Duke at Duke, and they move up uh, like six One. or eight spots they w- in the moved net. Moved up eight spots. Moved up eight spots in the net. Tech beats a horrible pit team at home and moves up eight spots in the net yeah. because Tech was very efficient offensively and defensively. And that goes into the net. It's not just the old PR, RPI where it's, right. is it is the team you're playing any yeah. good and is it is it home or on the road? Yeah. I, we hated it's, the it, RPI. It's, it's obvious that efficiency ratings – or a strong, strong part of the net metric. Yeah, it's clear. Um, you, you don't know the exact formula or anything like that, but it's very, very clear. In beating Duke, UVA went two of twelve from three point range, and that's not efficient. They, they hit the game winner from three, but but yeah, two of twelve within is, the game. How well did right, they actually play? Exactly. right? And, and that's why you can see the net rankings take bigger jumps at this point in the season than you would in the old RPI. Right. But you know, the old RPI it just kind of seemed like once you got to. Mid January just didn't change much. After you were what that. you but, were, but you can see big swings now, which is okay because you know once you play your complete schedule, it's all going to come full circle anyway. Yeah. And Ken Palm was an even bigger jump. Uh, I believe the Hokies moved up nine spots after beating Pitt mm-hmm. on Monday night, and UVA only moved up five after beating Duke. See, I would make a joke that that's because Ken is a Ken, Hokie, but then people would get mad. <laughs> well, the, the thing about UVA is is they're not a very efficient basketball team. They're they're a little more efficient than Tech defensively. I think. Tech is 110th as of yesterday in defensive efficiency ratings on Ken Palm. But UVA is like 86, which is better. UVA is normally like in the top five every year in defensive efficiency. And offensive efficiency, UVA is only like 70th. And meanwhile, Tech is 17th. Tech in the country. In the country out of 358 teams in offensive efficiency. In offensive efficiency, Virginia Tech is 18. Defensively, 110. Mm -hmm. Virginia is 69 offensively and 88 defensively. Right. So, so Virginia Tech is obviously weighted a lot more heavily offensively. But you know, UVA's defense is good. But but also you have to think about the the pace they play at too. Right. Well, yeah, and and those are adjusted efficiency ratings, adjusted for pace. Well, and and they're dead last in tempo. I want to say. Yeah, Yeah. but Uh, I, I just wanted to point out that you know they're not fantastic. You know, offensively, mm-hmm. but they also play at one of the slowest paces in the entire country. So you know, it, it really slows them down. It slows them down, but you know, at the same time, Tech is if UVA is last in pace in the ACC, Tech is next to last. <clears throat> I mean, uh, Tech is is mini UVA from a pace <laughs> standpoint. Uh, so it might not seem like Tech is very efficient offensively because they're not up there scoring 85, 90 points every game. But from a pure points per possession standpoint, yeah. they're one of the most efficient teams in the country. Uh, actually, in conference games only, they're number one in the ACC okay. in, in offensive efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if and if you get into a game like against Pitt, and Pitt's defense is bad, and, and and Virginia Tech can move the ball, as we know they can, right. the way they move it around the perimeter and they make the extra pass, That's I, I think in the last three or four games, you know, including down at the Tallahassee before um, – 
I think you're really seeing I'm, – I'm not going to say the Virginia Tech offense is operating at peak efficiency, mm-hmm. but there are times where you see it and you're like, that's what I thought I was going to see. That's what it should look like. That's what I thought I was going to see all with year. The big, all year. You, yeah. you know, so, you know, you wish you could go back and play the Xavier game again and yeah. the Boston yeah. College game again, but it is what it is. Uh, something's wrong, something is wrong with Pitt's program. Um, if you go back to last year, remember their two best players quit before the season was over? Like they yeah. quit in February. They beat Tech in Pittsburgh. And then those two players quit. Yeah, Xavier, I'm like, Xavier come on, Johnson. why couldn't you quit a week ago, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Justin Champagny was yes. there last year, oh, and Audis Tony left, and he he hit some clutch free throws down the stretch for Arkansas to beat number one Auburn last night. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so like, all, all those right there. Something's definitely not right at Pitt. Well, and you were talking about how bad the ACC has been this year, and I think that UVA win is another one of those games where it kind of shows UVA a team that. Everybody has looked at and said they're not as good as they usually are. They beat Duke in Cameron. Uh, Pitt, we're talking about how bad they've been. They beat Syracuse. Syracuse beat Wake Forest. And Georgia Tech beat Florida State, who beat Duke. It's just (laughs) applying the transitive to basketball is... is, It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. But, but like, it does make you wonder, like... Yeah, Duke, yes, has been far and away the best team in the ACC. But really, how good are they? I mean, this is a Virginia team that lost to Navy, that lost to uh, James Madison. James Madison. Mm. Uh, this is probably the least efficient team of the Tony Bennett era outside of, I guess, his first two years, probably when he was rebuilding. Um, and they could go on, go in the Cameron and, and and beat Duke like that. So, how good is Duke? Yeah, I, I know. Watching the end of that game, Duke is just so tremendously athletic and athletic and physical. You know, I mean, you guys know that. You know, yeah. um, they are that. It's funny, and I don't I don't want to badmouth Virginia Tech, but you watch Tech play Pitt, and I DVR'd UVA and Duke, and there wasn't a lot of atmosphere at the Tech Pitt game. The students were great, mm-hmm. but but the fans aren't really filling in no. the other fans. And then you go to watching UVA and Duke at Duke, a hotly contested game that came down to the last shot. That was a really fun game to watch. Well, and there was a, the situation on Monday because it was a makeup game from over winter break. Student season tickets weren't uh, honored for Monday's game uh, for Tech. Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. So there was probably a little less atmosphere because a lot of the students that had that thought they might have tickets to the game weren't able to go because they didn't. Yeah, I saw some chatter about that. So there, there were limited student tickets. So hopefully you would think Saturday night, Syracuse, it's going to be back to – that. The Syracuse game is at 6 o'clock, right? 6 o'clock, yeah. yes. Um, and I think I, – I, I believe, and, and you know we try to avoid these kinds of discussions, but I think that the requirement for a VAX card or a negative test – has put a damper on the number of people coming to games. Well, so that, was, that was just yeah. lifted this morning. Yes, not students. So I did want to cover that breaking news. That was lifted this morning. So it'll be interesting to see how the crowd is Saturday night. It's a good time. Saturday night, 6 o'clock. Yeah. High-profile team, regardless how good they are. Syracuse yes. is I mean, a high-profile If you're program. coming into town, you're looking to have mm-hmm. a nice weekend in Blacksburg, you can go to the basketball game at 6 o'clock. Still happy hour when the game's over. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and, well, and, so, and, he, and with this, with the rest- – I'll call them restrictions with with whatever you want to call them lifted. It'll be interesting to see how the crowd is Saturday. Well, the next three should all be good crowds. Six o'clock Syracuse on a Saturday, big Monday, Virginia on Monday, and then the next Saturday, North Carolina. That's a four o'clock. This is the stretch we were talking about before the season started. It was going to be awesome. I'm like, there's a chance to pick up some quality wins. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Not one one single one of those teams is a quadrant one 
victory now, for now for it State. to be a Q1 win at home, no, the top, team you beat has to be top, top 30. Top 30. Top 30 in the Top notes. 30. Yes. Yeah, and, and Carolina uh, right now is about 42. Right. So and Car- UVA is like 80-something? Yeah. UVA is yeah. UVA's 80, and Syracuse UVA would, for to be Quadrant 2, UVA would have to jump up to 75. Yeah, so, so if, unless something crazy happens, Virginia Tech is going to go this entire season without playing a Quadrant 1 game at home. Wow. That's how bad the ACC is. That is correct. Because, uh, you know, the only team in the top 30 is Duke. Is Duke, Duke, and Tech only gets Duke once this year. Yeah, and that's <laughs> on, on the road, road right. Yeah. So uh, that's bad luck from that standpoint, from a scheduling standpoint. The, the other things that hurt Tech was uh, obviously, I mean, the Xavier game is Tech's own fault. Tech played a poor game that night. Yeah. And, um, and Dayton. Right. Uh, but the St. Bonaventure game, St. Bonaventure won the A-10 last year. And they were picked to win it this year. They were year. picked to win it this year. They brought back all their starters. They're the 12th most experienced team in the country. And they've tanked it. They're bad. I mean, you set up the schedule, you play them on a neutral site, and on a neutral site, a top 50 net team is a quad one win. You assume if you beat them, that's going to be a quadrant one win. Nope, they're out of the top 100. It's not even a quadrant two win. It's not even a quadrant two. It's a quadrant three win. Quadrant three, right. And then you go play Maryland in College Park on the road, a team that's made the NCAA tournament six out out of the last seven years. Uh, And under Mark Turgeon. And former Maryland coach, former Mark Maryland coach Mark Turgeon. <laughs> so you assume, okay, they're going to be top seventy-five, and it's top seventy-five, which is a quadrant one road win. Road win, right? Um, you assume they're going to be top seventy-five, considering they make the NCAA tournament pretty much every year. Nope, they fired him the next day, and Maryland is tanked. <laughs> they're not in the top one hundred. I was pleased with the win, but I did realize I was watching a bad Maryland. Yeah, team. I didn't think they were good at the time, but at the same time, I didn't think they were going to fire their coach the next day and replace him with Gosh. Danny Manning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, so that's unfortunate for for Virginia Tech. Well, and Tech but, lost this game, but Memphis was expected to be a premier game, and right. they have been. Awful, they're, pretty they're, much since they beat they're, Virginia Tech. They're outside the top 50, which means even if Tech had won that game, it wouldn't have been a Quadrant 1 win. Yeah. This is uh, incredible. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> now, the, the ironic part is Tech is a Quadrant 1 win for Memphis. Wow. Because, yeah, because was, Virginia uh, Tech is, is 40, top 43. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so and, and that's one of the other things, that so many of these ACC teams, we talk about Virginia Tech not having any opportunities, but because Virginia Tech, I think the only other team in the top, 45 outside of North Carolina is Wake Forest. Wake Forest is somewhere in the 30s. Mm-hmm. But because of that, Virginia, you know, Virginia might not be sev- up to 75 yet. So it wouldn't be a quadrant two win for Virginia Tech. <laughs> but Virginia would come in here and with play a chance at a quadrant uh, with, one. with chance at a and quadrant one quadrant win. Quadrant one win, right. So from just from a pure standpoint of quadrants, they have more to play for. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's it's crazy Very stuff that's going on. And Virginia Tech, right, we really need to root for Florida State to get to get it back together and start winning games yep. again. So, yes, we'd be battling them for a bubble spot, but we need a Quadrant 1 win. Right now, our only opportunity for a Quadrant 1 win is to win at Miami. Uh, we need Florida State to get back into the top 75. I think they're 85th or 86th now, something like that. And if they get back into the top 75, then Virginia Tech will have a Quadrant 1 win at Florida State. Virginia Tech's currently 0-4 in Quadrant 1, I believe. Yes. Right. So, yeah. uh, well. One of those are the neutral site game against Xavier. The other three true road games. So right, Dayton. Uh, right, and, uh, and you know Dayton, I, Duke I, and Carolina. Right, so it will also be beneficial. Clemson. I don't know where they are after they lost last night, but they were seventy eighth before last night. So if they could get in the top seventy five, 
then Tech plays them on the road later this year. The last game of the season. The last game of the season. If Tech could win that game, that could be another quadrant one win. And then you've got the ACC tournament. So it's these numbers are fluid to a certain extent. But the, the one thing I am 99.9% sure of is Virginia Tech's not going to have an opportunity to win a quadrant one game at home this year. Yeah, right. Cle- Clemson yes. just dropped – to, to 80 they were at 78 they dropped two spots to 80 okay, so, so, hope, so it, it shows you how gets hot too. yeah but it's so about show, a month it shows you how game. how much this fluctuates and i was going to bring this up um, i put it at the end of chris's article yesterday and i was going to bring this up but i'll do it now since we're on this topic so i i researched chris had put in there all the teams um when he wrote his article yesterday that joe lenardi listed on the bubble and if i, I went and looked at the, everybody's net ratings and there, i think they're about eight to twelve teams and there were only four that were higher in the net than Virginia Tech. And they were North Carolina, UAB, Washington State, and Utah State. Utah State actually lost last night. Um, North Carolina and UAB have really difficult strength of schedules. They're higher than the Hokies, at least. Um, UAB has two Quadrant 1 wins. Uh, North Carolina doesn't have any. I think North Carolina owns seven in Quadrant Correct. 1. Wow, that's right, yeah. But I was curious about Washington State, and I looked it up. And this just shows you how good the Pac-12 is. You know, and obviously, never not every schedule is like this, but in the next uh, five games, starting on Thursday, Washington State plays Oregon, uh, Arizona, UCLA, and USC, and all four of those are Quadrant One games. Yep. Right? They play right. four Quadrant One games in five games. Five games. Virginia Tech has played has, 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 has played two in the ACC all year. Right. Mm. Right. So the season's been going on for what now? Two three, month, three, three months. months, and we've played a total of four Quadrant One teams. And like I was saying, it's this upcoming week that we thought before the season began, okay, we didn't really think Syracuse would be a Quadrant One at home, but it's still Syracuse, so it's a big game. We didn't think they'd be 13 on 11 or whatever they are. And But then you've got Virginia, and then you've got North Carolina. Surely both of those teams are going to be top 30. Yeah. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. And unless Carolina goes on an insane run, they're not going to be top 30. No. No. It's just not, not going to happen. Yeah. We, so, and, and it's also crazy to think about the non-conference schedule, too, which is a non-conference schedule we talked about at the beginning of the season was probably the I, most difficult non-conference schedule Virginia Tech's ever played in the ACC. And only you get, two of them were You get two on. non-conference chances out of it. Right. right. Quadrant one chances out of it. I, I wrote before the season that I thought Virginia Tech was going to have two or three quadrant one wins before – the ACC slate started, and as it turned out, they only had an opportunity for two, and they're not just an opportunity. Yeah, yeah right. So, uh, and one of those was the true road game against Dayton, and that's that's a tough place to win. Yes. Um, so, I look. You really look back. You know, you look back at key moments in the season. There's still key moments to come, I suppose. But like right as of right now, with Virginia Tech being on the wrong side of the bubble, that Xavier game is the one that you look at. Yeah. Well, um, I so so I want to throw this out there before we move on. I don't want this to go uh, unnoticed. North Carolina zero and seven in Q one, but if it comes down to bubble team decisions and and North Carolina and Virginia Tech are both on the bubble, <laughs> I think we know what's going to happen. Well, you know, <laughs> and they and, also have, as I said, they also have a more difficult strength. Yes, schedule. Their, their strength of schedules weight has been yeah. tougher overall. Yeah, like and they're going to play Duke twice. Um, I, I want to say that they're like. 50 spots ahead attack and strength of schedule overall. So, so that'll play in. Right, right. And, and, and that's an issue these days. I mean, you can help your non-conference schedule to a certain extent. And Mike Young, to his credit, put what we thought was going to be a really good non-conference schedule out there. It didn't turn out to be yep. as good as, as people thought. But 
The ACC's down this year. And, you know, with the scheduling model the way it is, with so many teams, 20 games, some teams are playing some teams once, some teams are playing some teams twice. We get Duke on the road and not at home. Uh, that doesn't matter so much in, in a year where the ACC is really good and pretty much no matter who you're playing, you're going to play a good opponent yeah. every week. But in a year like this when there are just so few good teams in the ACC, yeah. if you draw the short end of the stick on a schedule standpoint, your, your opportunities are going to be extremely yeah. limited. So I, I think I think Jim Phillips has had some conversations with athletic directors around the ACC, and he's told them, you want to get a better TV contract? Well, I can't renegotiate it right now because I have nothing to sell. I have no absolutely nothing. No right, 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 right. So you got to, y'all, Miami, you have to get better at football. Virginia Tech, you have to get better at football. Uh, Clemson, no more nine and three records. Even though nine and three is good for most of us, it's not good for Clemson. <laughs> I'll take it. Florida State, <laughs> start going to bowls again. You, you know, uh, so yeah. you, the, and it's the same thing for ACC basketball. He's got to be pressuring some of these athletic directors to get rid of some of these old coaches, man. I was about to say, I, mean, I don't really see any help on the horizon either. I think Wake is getting better. Yes. Um, we're not sure what will happen to Duke under John Shire. They're recruiting well. Right. Um, yeah. Carolina, but, I don't know. I'm paying enough attention. Yeah, I mean, Carolina's been okay with, with Yeah, They've been okay, but like, do we expect Hubert Davis to be a Hall of Fame coach like Roy Williams? No. Right. And I expect not. Carolina will be good, but. They're but so essentially in the great. conference with Kay and Roy and Leonard Hamilton and Jim Beheim, you had he three said, or four Hall of Fame coaches, but everybody was in their upper 70s. Beheim's be 77 years old, man. Yeah. How do you really expect that guy to be focused on recruiting? And and he's how, how uh, what year are his sons? Uh, buddy, uh, buddy, buddy I think a he's a senior. Buddy's a senior. Buddy is okay. And, and well, Jimmy, Jimmy's, a, Jimmy's a grad transfer. Yeah, I think. so okay. they're both old, so they're almost done. Okay, so maybe he retires after this year once they're done. Or if they're the same year, I don't know. But he's kind of holding them hostage at this point, in my opinion. And that should be one of yeah. the ACC's premier programs. Uh, you know, Larinaga's still doing okay at Miami, but how long is that going to last? He's 73. And quite frankly, like, you worry about Miami because they're – they're putting so much into football now, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. How much is left over for basketball? Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, Leonard Hamilton, they're not – I know they've had some tough, unfortunate situations with their team this year. But, like, what is he, 74? Something like that? Yeah, but he looks like he's 55. Yeah, but he looks like he's 50. <laughs> but it's, it's – it's, look, at some point when you reach a certain age, you just don't want to go out there and recruit anymore. You just want to coach. Uh, and yeah. – that's what's happening to some of these ACC teams, and Jim Phillips needs to get on these athletic drafts, put some pressure on them. It's like, look, we need some new blood in this league. <laughs> I, I can tell you, I turned 57 in December, and the slowdown is real. And these guys are 20 years older than I am in a profession that is extremely pressure-packed and competitive. Yeah. You know? So to, we, we diverted the conversation. I said, I don't see much help on the horizon for the ACC. So it's like, all right, so I saw a picture of, of Mike Young and Mike Jones at, uh, at out recruiting yesterday. Yeah, yeah they, they were watching what, Rodney Rice's they were, game? They were at Rodney Rice's game. And, you know, it's a good opportunity to do this because Tech has a long week. They've got the entire week off until Syracuse comes to town. But uh, I, I just can't imagine Bayheim at his age doing that very much. It's like, oh, I'll play a game, and then the next night I'm in D.C. recruiting. <laughs> You're 77 years old. You're not doing that. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of those programs are starting to slide. I mean, heading into this year, you kind of expected 
Duke would be good. Carolina would still be good. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Florida State. Right. All it's, these teams. Yeah, Syracuse. It's, it's, it's almost, everybody's disappointing except for Wake Forest. Yeah. That, they've overachieved. Duke, Duke is pretty much what we thought. Yeah, would I don't think Miami's Miami's, Miami's Miami, overachieved. Miami, a little better. And Notre, Notre Dame's been yeah, a little Yeah, that's, that's true. Bit. But even even then, like, like their net rankings is like 60s and 70s yeah. and – uh, you know, so good they, good records, but they're not necessarily analytically no, good. Exactly, and and again, smoked in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, smoked in the unofficial Atlantic. Ten now wait a minute, ACC we weren't challenge. smoked in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The first day, the was first hideous. night was, yes. oh, right, but the right. second night, <laughs> it came down to the last game. Oh, did it really? Did it, it did. End up it, I, went, I think it ended up eight six eight or six. Right. It was so, a two. lost again though. Yes. For the and I will. Run. We got smoked in the unofficial ACC Atlantic Ten Challenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so well, it was two two wins total. So, right. So Jim Phillips. I mean, I don't know. Everybody wants a renegotiated deal with ESPN thanks to that thirty year albatross that John Swafford stamped us with. But honestly, yeah. if he walked into the if Jim Phillips walked into ESPN tomorrow and they sat down at a table and started renegotiating, what ammo does he have? It would not it's a bad well. football conference yeah. and a bad basketball conference. How are you supposed to squeeze any more money out of – I mean, it's a, it's a results-driven business, right? So it's not a good time to renegotiate the TV contract. It's a good time to fire a bunch of football coaches and hope everybody gets better, which is what happened in this offseason. Now we'll see if everybody gets better. And now after this off after this offseason, it's a good time to – have some changes on the basketball side of things too. So hopefully, in two or three years, the product in both sports is better, and we could discuss a possible <laughs> renegotiation. But right now, ESPN would just laugh in his face. Yeah, then not a good year for the ACC, at least in major sports. Obviously, still dominating in other ones like soccer and stuff like that. But yeah, and women's basketball and women's basketball. basketball. We are that you know we're we're going to talk about women's basketball in the second half. Uh, let, let's take a break here, David. You got anything in the fourth chair before we head to break? Uh, yeah, I. Uh... Some somebody asked a, a blatant question. It was uh, Alex Burnell um, asked a point blank question, which I'm sure has, has been running through everybody's minds. Do you guys think Virginia Tech is going to make the NCAA tournament? I, I would say the chances are slim. They they have to win a bunch of games and uh, win a lot of them uh, like they did against Pitt. Is, is there a number of games you would you would put? Yeah, your that, on? I don't think so because it depends if, on. If what there are ten games left, you probably got to go eight and two at least. Uh, how many games are there? there? Are seven seven, seven season plus yeah, the ACC four tournament. at home, three away. Right. So some of it depends on like, all right, what if Tech wins, ends up winning twenty or even nineteen, and then Florida State and Clemson do end up in that top seventy-five. Tech wins the Clemson game. Then you've got two. Quadrant one wins, and your your chances are a lot better. What if Tech wins nineteen or twenty, but those teams don't finish in the top seventy five or yeah top seventy five? So Tech wins twenty games, but they have zero quadrant one wins. Man, I'd put the chances uh, at literally ten to twenty percent. I don't know. I don't think they're great. Um, I, I do think that like I'm hoping to get into the play in round. That's what I'm hoping for right now. Eleven like but, an eleven seed. Well, right, right, and and the thing is like. Outside of Duke, nobody in this league is going to be seeded very well. What is the second best team projected as an eighth seed right now? Wake Forest, Wake is, eight, eighth is, seed by Joe Lunardi. That's the second best team in the ACC. Man. Carolina's projected as a twelve seed. Yeah, you know they're barely hanging on. There are only two teams uh, that Joe Lunardi doesn't have on the bubble that are in the tournament. That's Duke and Wake Forest. If, 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 if Carolina had lost last night, which they almost did, I would have knocked them off the bubble probably. 
Yeah. Right? Maybe put Clemson a little bit in, but but not by much. Right. So before we go, are, are, are you setting up for intermission? Is that where you were heading? Yeah, I think we're going to take a break. We I think we spent a crap ton of time talking about ACC basketball. We didn't spend much time talking about Virginia we're gonna Tech We're going to spend basketball. the second half exclusively on Virginia Tech basketball as Including well. men's basketball. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. That just, was just checking because we got to talk some people up, man. No, we're going to talk yeah. in the second half, both pit games completely. We'll, we'll talk a little women's basketball at the end, but okay. mostly men's basketball in the second half. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I would think Hokies probably have to maybe win two games in the ACC tournament. That would probably be... Depending on who they play. Yeah. Depending on what other teams do. I mean, we try to do this exercise every year. We need to do this. We need to do that. And then... Comes out what, what are the other games, bubble teams yeah. do? They go off and do their own thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we will take a break here on episode 223 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. As I just said, we're going to talk a lot about the two pit wins for Virginia Tech on the other side, talk about the hot start in game one and the not-so-hot second half, and also the blowout win on Monday. Stay with us on episode 223 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to episode 223 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We spent the first half of the show talking a lot about ACC basketball and how they've underperformed this yeah, season. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little bit on a tangent, but we're going to talk a lot about Virginia Tech hoops in the second half. Make sure if you are on our YouTube page, be sure to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're in the live chat, drop a question in the chat for Will and Chris. We'll get to those in just a few minutes here on the Tech Sideline podcast. Again, Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. We promise we're going to talk tech hoops here. We talked a little bit about Georgia Tech. Not a ton to talk about in that game, but let's talk about that Saturday Pittsburgh let me, let me, game. So let me go first. I, I okay, want to talk first, about, Will. I want to talk about both both Pitt games. Yep. I love uh, th- those of you that have read my writings and listened to me talk. You know that I love statistical anomalies. And what happened in that road game against Pitt was a – statistical anomaly all right you remember when dorian finney smith missed 25 shots in a row <laughs> all by himself if you don't remember yes that actually happened um and a lot of them were layups by the way but that's another topic you um, know plays in the nba yeah i know starts yes yeah uh, so if you look at what happened at the end of the first half virginia tech made 13 of 14 shots and really the 14th one that they missed was one of those trying to be a buzzer, buzzer. Beater. right yeah, yeah. So they go to halftime. Pitt comes out and takes that end of the floor and proceeds to make 12 of their first 13. These two teams combined, and I know I put this on Twitter and everybody's talked about it, but I just wanted to reemphasize it. They made 25 of 27 shots at that end of the floor in that stretch of the game. So that's the thing I thought was remarkable about that game. Now you go to the, uh, um, the game that happened in Castle, and it, it was kind of a no-hitter situation where Pitt didn't have any offensive rebounds. And this went on through the first half into the second half. And I started texting my college buddies. We got this group text that goes during games and stuff like that. And, and I said, Pitt doesn't have any offensive rebounds. Or should I not be talking about that? <laughs> and so I, I, I DM'd Damian Salas and I said, when is the last time a Tech opponent didn't have any offensive rebounds? And a minute or two later, he got back to me and he said, uh, words to the effect of, I can go back to 2009 and it's it hasn't happened. <laughs> wow. This is like 500 basketball games, I think, if, if you do the numbers. And uh, so that's the setup. 
And with 18 seconds left to go, Pitt's at the free throw line, and they still have no offensive rebounds. Whoever was shooting the, the uh, free throw missed it. And Lynn Kidd, who hardly ever plays for Tech, he's a transfer from Clemson, goes up all by himself unmolested to get the rebound, and he drops it, and it hits his knee and goes out of bounds with 18 seconds left to go. And I thought to myself, that's a team offensive rebound. Yeah. And, yep, so – so then Damian did a neat thing the next day. He tweeted that none of Pitt's players had an offensive rebound. And the first time, that's the first time that's happened since a 2007 ACC tournament game. Wow. Against NC State, Against which we NC lost. State. <laughs> we lost every game to NC State. Well, yes, we, the, reason, well, NC, the reason NC State didn't have any offensive rebounds in that game is they didn't, miss, they any didn't miss any shots. That's true. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I just those were two remarkable things that happened this week. Like, it, the whole offensive rebound thing was so remarkable. I told my wife about it, and she doesn't know a thing about basketball. Didn't want to hear it. It's somebody. It's one of those that you come home, you just have to talk about it, whether anybody wants to listen or not. Right. <laughs> right. I, remember, great, I, I remember when I was in college, like uh, the student tickets they gave us might have been regular tickets too, but like the number you could get free stuff from McDonald's depending on however many points, points Tech, tech scored. And I think if Tech scored above ninety, you got like a free double cheeseburger. So Tech's up to like 89 points in the student section, you know, all 38 of us back then. You know, it was chanting, double cheeseburger, clap, clap, clap. <laughs> and like Tech had this player named John Smith, and he got the ball underneath the basket for like it would have been an easy dunk, and he just dribbled it off his foot out of bounds. And, <laughs> and Tech ended up with 89 points and cost everybody a double cheeseburger. <laughs> everybody was so mad. <laughs> well, that first pit game really should have wound up on bad beats on Scott Van Pelt. Yes. Be because – Tech had one point had a twenty eight point lead. I don't remember what the spread was. I think I want to say eleven, maybe maybe thirteen. Tech had a twenty eight point lead, and it looked like you were good, and then they did not cover oh, yeah. the spread. <laughs> it was a, turned into a three point game late, right? Yes, it, it yeah. did. Uh, who who made the clutch shot late? Naheem Aline. Naheem Aline made one to put Tech up ten, and I was like, oh, there's the dagger. And now no. let's. We spent so much time earlier this year talking about how poorly he was shooting. Yeah. Now let's talk about. How well he's played recently? Yeah, I he was two very, really very, good games against Pitt. in a row. Yeah, uh, it, it just—he's not forcing things. He's letting the game come to him, and when it comes to him, he's making the shots. I guess it's a little easier to let the game come to you when you're playing horrible teams who but, don't play defense. Who don't play defense, but at the same time, like he was still even in non-conference play against some of those bad teams, he was still struggling then. So yeah. I think he's playing much better basketball right now. Everybody's playing much better basketball right now. I, I still am, I'm I'm blown away by the on-ball defense that that Hunter Couture plays, and we talked about Michael Devoe of Georgia Tech earlier. Even even in that game, there was a le- there was a play late in that game where Devoe tried to take him off the dribble and couldn't do it. Couldn't do it, so he went up for a shot. Couture blocked it, blocked the shot. I think the shot clock was winding down, and it, uh, it actually Tech got the rare fast break points, and Couture scored on the fast break. So yes. he blocked, He had yep. a great defensive stop, got the block shot, and then scored on the other end. Yeah, and and just it, it it was weird to say Couture played great defense when the guy scored thirty points, but every time it came into a one on one situation, Devoe got really frustrated. He couldn't get around Couture, and it was similar to what we saw in that Miami game where it was just like. Well contested threes, ball goes up and somehow finds its way down the net. Uh, yeah. He's got a, he's got kind of a it. weird release, but it's a quick quick release. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he was uh, in that game. Devoe only player to score in double figures, but he had thirty points. Uh, <laughs> and we kind of glazed over the Georgia Tech game, but kind of tying that together, you can't talk about giving props to people without giving some props to Storm Murphy. Yeah. Uh, he got a lot of heat early on in the season for not really being the player that Tech fans expect him to be, the game changer. But eighteen points against Georgia Tech, including hitting three threes to really get the crowd going, yeah. get everybody in the game, and then he followed that up with twenty against Pitt on the road on Saturday. He's really come into his own shooting a lot better too yeah and 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 the good thing is like padula is also obviously since the florida state game stepped his game up a little bit and storm has too yeah um so like as soon as padula went off and everybody's like oh start padula then storm started going off (laughs) and and, and and that's a good that's a good problem to have yep um i just think i mean i don't know enough about storm and how he played it at wofford but I, i put this on twitter the other day uh, the, the numbers won't be exactly right, but the scale of them is accurate. In 20, 23 or 24 games at Wofford last year, he took over 80 free throws. In 23 or 24 games at Tech this year, he's taken 17. Yep. And that tells you that what he's being asked to do and what he is doing is different. And again, without not, not having watched him all last year at Wofford, watching him this year at Tech, I think it's just taken him this long to adjust to whatever his role is, and the kind, the level of competition that he's facing night in, night out. And now, I don't know. Is the ACC really that much better than the Southern? Athletically, <laughs> yes. Athletically, yes. You are correct from a team standpoint. You know. Um, so I think that's part of it. And Padula, the, the, I thought against Pitt in Castle, the most recent game, um, Tech basically didn't score. They fell behind 5 nothing. I think. Yes, 5-0. Yes. And then Storm got scratched and had to go out. And then the pace of the offense for Virginia Tech, that's when it took off. And they scored, I think, 17 points in a row. Now, that's not all Sean Padula, but I just think that the pace of the offense with Padula on the floor is different. You can see it. And I'm not a smart enough basketball guy to say it's this and that. Although, with Keve running the floor and Padula pushing it up the middle and giving him the bounce pass for the dunk, Yeah. I made fun of that on Twitter because it just hasn't been happening this year for Virginia Tech. There has been no pace to bring the ball up the floor, but when Padula's on the floor, it's more likely and it happens. He's got an extra gear that actually, to be honest, nobody else on the entire team has. Yeah. Now, not, not quite Tyrese Radford, but kind of similar in the guy that can push the floor. I, yeah. What I should add, though, is Murphy doesn't push it. Like He didn't try to push it. No. And, and yeah. it's maybe it's just a way – you know, he's played in Mike's system for so long and he knows Mike doesn't like to push it. But, I mean, there was an instance, I don't know, within the last five games where I just said, really? Did did Storm Murphy just, like, run a fast break? Because it's <laughs> it's just so rare. But you saw it against North Carolina. And you've seen it, you know, with Padula all season that he's, um, you know, he, he, he won't push it every single time because yeah. he's sm- smart, but, but he... You know, there are times he picks his moments. Um, and, and to add on to the Stormport p- point, Will, you know, talking with him at the beginning of the season, I, I think he understood that, you know, he, he kind of said that he, he understood that he was going to be more of a facilitator than a scorer. Because at Wofford, you know, he was one of the best players on the team. And not that he isn't now, but he was one of the best scorers. Now it's he's got an all-conference player in Keve Luma. He's got shooters like Hunter Couture and the Hemaline that when they're on, they can't miss. And he's got a guy like Justin Mutz. So I feel like 
through a lot of the games early in the season, there was a lot of pressure on him, I think, internally, that he just felt like he had to get everybody else the ball. And now he's just, you know, kind of playing a little bit more freely. But it also goes to show you that, you know, you mentioned the bench, Sean Padula playing better, David Gasson. Gasson, Gasson is playing well fantastic. Recently. Darius Maddox is getting more minutes. Oh, just, and well, John, John Ojiaco was good the other day, too. He missed a shot in the too. last game, and I was shocked. I, just every time he shoots, I think it's going to go in. Yeah, I, I said on Twitter, I went from watching Maddox and thinking, oh, what is that flat shot? He's not going to be consistent <laughs> with that, to expecting it to go in every time he shoots. It's pretty remarkable. And we talked a lot early on in the season about how Tech didn't use the bench pretty much the first two-thirds of the season. It was the starting five. They'd take a break every once in a while. The bench wouldn't do much. Uh, I ran the numbers on this last night. Uh, between David Gasson, Darius Maddox, and Sean Padula, over the first 19 games, they combined for 11.2 points per game. In the last five games, so Miami, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Pitt, 21.6 points combined. between so their al- Almost doubled between those three players in the last five games. It feels like there's been a concerted effort from Mike Young to play a little bit deeper uh, over this last three weeks. I think so. And and you also have to throw in the fact that, like, this is especially the case in basketball, players improve over the – younger players can improve over the course of a season in basketball. Um, think back to Malcolm Delaney. Like the Malcolm Delaney of November as a freshman compared to the Malcolm Delaney of March when he went into uh, the Dean Dome, lit them up for 20, uh, went down to the ACC tournament, and again against North Carolina, played great. Just played great basketball down the stretch. Probably averaged 18 or 20 a game in the month of March. As a freshman. As a freshman. But at the beginning of the season, he wasn't even starting. So, uh, you know, players. Who was starting? Hank, Hank Thorns? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I think, who, by the way, played in the G League. Good player. Hank Thorns did? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Tra- I thought going to He couldn't shoot, but he was a good basketball player. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I, I think you've seen some guys improve. Like, I think earlier in the season, the offense did not run as smoothly with Sean Padula in there. Now, people t- look at his athleticism and see, oh, he's faster and everything like that. But the offense itself was not running as well. Just like early last season, quite frankly, the offense did not run as well with, uh, what was his name? He was here for, I've already forgotten his name. Oh, Beedi. Jada. 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 Oh, oh. Jada. Or, or like, so he's a, Jada was a better scorer than Beatty. But if you actually go back and watch those games, Tech played better with Beatty in there. Yes. Because right. he didn't turn the ball Jada over. Jada was a turnover and, machine. Right, right. And things like that. Um, so I, I think sometimes you talk about Padula's pace and the offense runs faster. Well, there have been times this year where, yes, he's pushed the pace and tried to turn it into more of a full-court game, and he's made the wrong pass, and it's gotten turnover. So that that's something that gets better with time. Yeah. And and it gets better with experience. And I think he's going to definitely be a three-year starter for Virginia Tech. He's going to score over 1,000 points in his career, and he's going to – we'll be talking about him in the future as probably one of the more exciting players we've ever had. Um, and I think you're, you're starting to see uh, him play. You know, as he proves himself more, Mike Young will give him more freedom. And yeah. I think you're seeing that yes, happen. Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah. like, like right in front of you. And, yeah. and it'll continue throughout his career. Yeah. Now, next year, they're going to add Rodney Rice. They're going to add MJ Collins. You know, people have they've, – they've pushed the – athleticism button over and over and over this year. This is why we're not, we're not, athletic, we're not athletic, we're not athletic enough. I wonder, and, and eventually I'm going to think about this and put this in a column. Maybe they got ahead of themselves last year with the year they had last year. 
they had a they had a bad year in Mike Young's first year. I would say five hundred was good for what they had. That's true. They, they, they overachieved. Yes, his first two years. They, they kind of yeah. Um, right. I thought this year should have been last year, and last year would have been this year. You yeah, know what I'm saying? And, 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 as, as far as the results. Yes. Now, if you look at every efficiency rating, though, and I put this in my article yesterday, yes. Virginia Tech ha, is higher in the net, Ken Pamroy, Jeff Sagarin, and uh, BPI. All higher. This of, year's team th- is this year, this, year, this year's team is ranked higher in every single metric than last year's team. Every single overall metric. But when it comes down to it, last year Hunter Couture hit a three to force overtime against Miami, which Tech won. And, uh, and this year Miami banked in a half-court shot. Xavier made a last-second shot. And that's two or three or four games of what's happened in the last two minutes of games. Is That's the only difference between last year and this year yeah. as far as the win-loss record. And we've talked about the luck metric on Ken Palm, about how Tech is close to dead last in that, uh, at least they have been for the last couple of well, weeks. Well, let's keep winning by 25. You won't have to worry about it. <laughs> you don't have to anymore. worry about it. And so it's... it's uh, I, I feel like watching this team, and, and these feelings will evolve over the next seven games, but I feel like they're figuring things out. Now, granted, the competition hasn't been as good. I, I know. I'm not dumb. I feel like they're figuring things out. Individual players are figuring things out. They're figuring things out as a team, and they look like they're starting to peak. We'll find out more when they play Syracuse, Virginia, and UNC in the next few games. But let's say that is happening. It's kind of a shame they – might not even make the NCAA tournament and be able to take advantage right, of right. of that. If of, they're peaking at the right time, right, but yeah. just run out of games to play. Whereas last year, they were not peaking well, at the end of the season. And because the they, had, before, and the year they before, had COVID, two COVID shutdowns. I know, exactly. So they couldn't peak. Yeah, if, well, if it, it was the opposite. Last year, Tech peaked in late January, early February. And bam, it got COVID, and that, and that, was, that was the yeah, end of that. That was it. But Tech looking good. Uh, and speaking of which, I said at the beginning of the show that at that point, the Georgia Tech game was probably Tech's best game of the season. I think that was uh, one upped on Monday, a 37-point win, really efficient night. Uh, and you mentioned it. Panthers went up 5 nothing. After that, Tech outscored P- uh, Pittsburgh 35-12 to the rest of the first half. It, it was really just a dominant night. And and if, if what's-his-face hadn't been hitting threes, th- that would have been a nasty, <laughs> nasty game. He scored, I think, 12 of their first 16 points or yeah. something like that. And yeah. Tech was still up by a lot even with that. Yeah. And that game would have been something like 30-something to four. At that point, if, if he hadn't been doing that. And Femi Odukale and Mo Gee, who you mentioned, Mo making Gee, all yeah. those threes. They were a combined uh, thir- they, 10 of 16 from the floor, 31 of the 47 points. The rest of the team, five shots made for 16 points. It was really just those two guys who were even making it look a little bit respectable, if yeah. you can say that. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying earlier. Somebody's got to score. There's a certain amount of points <laughs> in games that have to be scored just because it's basketball. So somebody has to do it. Right. Yeah. I but, guess with the, with the lone exception being that NC State game where they scored 24, nobody was going to score in that game. Well, and, and but, uh, that part of that had to do with the way Virginia Tech was defending John Hughley. He had five turnovers again. I mean, that was yeah. as Naheem and Lane and Hunter Couture said after the game. That was the key stopping him, you know, and keeping them off the glass. I think the rebounding factor over the past couple games has, has been tremendous. After getting out rebounded by Boston College, NC State, North Carolina. Back in mid to late January, Virginia Tech has out-rebounded four of its last five opponents, and the one that didn't was Florida State because of their four seven-footers. Yeah, yeah. right. And Interesting. Pitt kind of, as a program right now, is reminding me of, of like a mini NC State. 
a fan base that doesn't care as much about basketball, but fairly similar results over the last 15 years from the standpoint of, okay, you've got a coach, Jamie Dixon at Pitt, and uh, Herb, Syndic. Herb Syndic at NC State. Herb Syndic went to, what, five or six straight NCAA tournaments with a Sweet 16. I don't think he ever lost uh, in the first round except for maybe his last year there, and they fired him because that wasn't good enough. <laughs> Jamie Dixon didn't get fired, but – Pitt started making Sweet 16 and Elite 8s, and all of a sudden it wasn't good enough anymore, right? So he left. and Went to TCU. Went, went to TCU, and, and which doesn't seem like it make any, makes any sense, but I, I think he didn't feel appreciated. Yeah. And, and this is – Coaches get a vibe sometime that it's time to move on. Right, right. Even if they're winning. Right, they're like, right. Hmm. And, and this is what's happened to NC State and Pitt basketball for – I don't know. Pitt didn't technically run Jamie Dixon off, but the vibes kind of did, and uh, so like. But that program, be careful what you wish for. But that program's been down in the dumps since he left. Yes, and, and they'll and they'll blame it on what they'll say is we've been down in the dumps and getting worse ever since we entered the ACC. It's moving from <laughs> the Big East to the ACC that did it. Mm. Yeah. Well, Tech happy they were able to play Pitt the last two day, uh, last two games, two big wins. Now four straight for the Hokies. Uh, before we move on from those three games, I have a little trivia for you. Uh, we've talked about how Tech's been good on the glass over the last couple of games. How many second chance points did Georgia Tech and Pitt get combined in those last three games? Well, Pitt got none in, 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 in the, the second in game. The yes, twelve. Lower. Oh, really? Eight. I was going to guess ten. Four. Wow. Two Second points for Georgia Tech, two points for Pittsburgh, zero for Pittsburgh. I wonder if any other team, games. any other college basketball team this year, over a three-game stretch has only allowed four second chances. Can't, can't be. And, and being a smaller team, uh, for as the Hokies are, nobody over 6'9 that gets regular playing time, that's even more impressive. Uh, yeah, it really is. Uh, and obviously, I looked back to, at Florida State just to see if maybe it, it trended back a little bit. They had twelve second chance. Yeah, they're they're game, a pretty big team. <laughs> it's going to be uh, tough to keep them off the glass. And the, well, the impressive part is like Pitt couldn't hit the broad side of a barn the other night. They were horrible, so they had a lot of opportunities for offensive rebounds. That's true. And, and Tech still rebounded couldn't well. get anybody right. Um, so I'm going to change course here slightly and, and go from Chris Coleman analyst. Chris Coleman fan. We play Syracuse on Saturday. Oh, yeah. And I know younger Tech fans, plenty of them watching the podcast, don't realize this. And, and sorry, Gio, if you're watching, I'm going to talk trash <laughs> on your team here. Jim Beheim, Virginia Tech was in the Big East for four years. Four years. And Sy- 1999, 2000 through 2002, 2003. Or was, it, or was it 2000, 2001? Around, around yeah, in that whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, not in those four years, Syracuse did not once play a basketball game on Ca- in Castle Coliseum because Jim Beheim didn't want to. He thought Virginia Tech was beneath Syracuse and shouldn't have been in the same league. And the Big East just never said, "Okay, sorry, Syracuse, you have to play at Virginia Tech one year." And I, believe I mean, that, the, the, the Big East schedules weren't set in advance; they were just set before each season. And, so, and, I, and I believe during that time, Tech actually played a neutral site game against we Syracuse. Play, we, we played against Syracuse one time in some four-team tournament. Or like yeah, that. yeah. And so we played two games in the Carrier Dome one of those years, one of which was a technically a non-conference game. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, 
strange time. But at any rate, so every time Virginia Tech has played Syracuse, that's in. Uh, now Virginia Tech has beaten Syracuse. They've they've won in the Carrier Dome. They've they've beat them in Castle. My, one of my favorite moments ever as a Tech fan was the night Justin Robinson broke the career assist record, but broke the single game three point record. That came in like a thirty point demolition of Syracuse. Yep. Yeah. One of my favorite nights as a Tech fan. Unfortunately, I was covering the media and I couldn't really celebrate it. <laughs> uh, but uh, to, me, to me, this this might be Jim Beheim's last trip to Castle, a place he never wanted to come to anyway. Do not lose. Do not lose. In fact, not only don't lose, run them out of the building. And I'm all for backups getting minutes. If Tech is up by a lot of points at the end of the game, keep the starters <laughs> in and run up the score. And and I say that because emotionally, but also I'll turn, put my analyst hat back on. Every little point from the efficiency rating standpoints matters. It matters in the net. Yeah. Yes. And three games that I think Tech fans are really going to want to see the Hokies win. You could call them rivalry. Syracuse, UVA, North Carolina, all coming into Castle Coliseum. And I, I think, you know, I talked about how the atmosphere in Castle has not been great lately. I think the students have been good. But Tech's won four games in a row. That, that's kind of lifting the spirits, and those are three great games. Three, well, three great, great games. games. Tech's playing well right now, and the restrictions got lifted. Yes. So it yep. should, on paper, I see no reason, 6 o'clock on a Saturday night, nobody's got to work the next day. That shouldn't be a great crowd on Saturday. And night. these are games Tech has to win to keep themselves in the conversation. Do you think two out of three of those three games at home, Tech keeps themselves at least in the conversation on the Ca- bubble? Carolina, you know, they, they've got Bacot's such a tough matchup, but although – Carolina's I'll, been bad on the road. This they have year. been horrible yes. on the road. Yes. Um, I, I think Tech can win all three of those games. Yeah. Tech's playing very well right they now. They better win all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> if they want to make a tournament, yeah. I have. Yeah. So we were talking about how there was there haven't been many people in Castle lately. And I looked on StubHub earlier. You want to know what you want to guess what the cheapest ticket for Saturday's game is on StubHub? Against Syracuse? Yeah. 60. I'll go 30. I don't know which direction you're going, so <laughs> uh, uh, it's about sixty-five seventy. Wow, sweet! Really? That's a for, good sign. For, and those are like the the cheapest right. of the tickets. Is it sold out on Hokie Sports? Uh, I I have not. I, okay. I have no idea. So typically, but, for those who don't know much about StubHub, um, like I bought game, I bought tickets earlier in the year for a few games at like nine bucks a pop. I right. think you can for, get for pit tickets on Monday for five tickets bucks. Tickets were yeah. cheap. Yeah, yeah, so if StubHub's saying the cheapest ticket is $65, that means people are not selling their tickets. No. Which it means, means it's going. a very and people low are trying supply. to buy them too. Yeah, yeah. And a high I, I think it'll be one of the – I mean – uh, like you said, all three of the things that are coming together. I th- you know, It'll be the best atmosphere in Castle, Castle this year to this point. I was about to say, yeah. Uh, and one thing before we, we move on I wanted to, to touch on, um, we mentioned the bench, but just not just Gasson, not just Padula, not just Maddox, not just Osiaka, but just as a whole, um, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists against wow. Pitt the yeah. other day. Padula had seven assists. Gasson had seven rebounds. Career high seven assists. Yeah, and and he didn't have any turnovers. Right. The the bench. You can talk about the starters. You can talk about Storm, Naheem, Hunter. You can talk about all the guys, but but the bench has been so crucial to this. You know whether it's Gasson being more physical and grabbing more rebounds, or whether it's um, a guy like Maddox, who at some points earlier in the season seemed like a defensive liability. He's really improved defensively. I, I think I, so too. That we talked about the bench earlier in the season. Tech did not in, in ACC play. Tech did not have more than eight bench points 
besides one time that was at NC State. Yeah. In the last four games, they've had at least 16, wow. uh, and they scored over 20 twice. Even Ojiako came in and made a left-hander. I think Ojiako's offense is way ahead of his defense right Probably now. Probably so, um, yeah. You watch him on defense, and it's it's – it gets cringeworthy at times, but his offenses look good. He had four points in that game, actually. Yeah, his wait. post moves, I, I, I noticed. Oh, I think he's made big improvements there over For the sure. course of his career. Yeah. Uh, just got reminded of this. Uh, the I want to talk about the Hunter Couture graphic uh, that was showing on Monday night uh, <laughs> on the ACC Network. <laughs> I I was laughing out loud, and then I looked and saw your tweet about it. I thought it was so funny. Uh, for those who didn't see it, a graphic got put up. Hunter Couture making uh, more of an impact in the, this season, and they showed his points per game and minutes per game, and there was about a a half a point and a third of a minute uh, difference between the two. It, and those were wrong, weren't they? It's funny. I just pulled up Twitter, and that that tweet came up right away. <laughs> so uh, last season, thirty three point three minutes per game. This season, ten point four. Excuse me, and ten point four points per game. This year, thirty three point six. Point three minutes <laughs> and ten point nine points per game, half a, half a point, point more. And of course, the punchline—I know you're headed in this direction. The stats for last year were wrong. <laughs> well, the headline for the graphic is some is something about counting more on Couture, right? And uh, the <laughs> stats really. they put up doesn't make it look like they are counting more on him. <laughs> but, but the actual stats, yeah. Last year he played twenty four point seven minutes per game and scored something like eight and a half per game. So if they had had the actual stats, the right, correct stats, it would have made sense. Yes. <laughs> Go ACC. Uh, Hashtag go ACC. At well, least that, they didn't put up a, a Virginia Virginia logo, logo with it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, big week coming up for the men's team. Three games inside Castle Coliseum. Hokies trying to extend that winning streak. But also a big week in Castle Coliseum for the women's team. Want to talk about uh, women's hoops for a little bit here. They are now 9-3 and three in the ACC. Tied for third in the conference. Back-to-back wins over Boston College and Clemson in the last three nights. And now they've got two ranked opponents coming into Castle Coliseum uh, over the next four days. So Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, eleven and North Thursday Carolina. night, and eight p.m. and then North Carolina <clears throat> Sunday matinee, one p.m. Number twenty-three, North Carolina, and that's a team that blew out the Hokies earlier this season. So uh, Kenny Brooks will be looking for some revenge. So I have not really had a chance to watch the games recently. Um, and actually, so if we're going to talk women's basketball, I think we need to switch. David oh, there's a camera on David. Let's he's, not he's, got, he's got a mic. So let's go. <laughs> um, I know Kitley got hurt against UVA. Yes. Um, barely played the next game, played a lot the next game and scored a lot. But against uh, against Clemson last night, she only scored 30 two min- points. Thirty minutes, but only took two shots. So you guys who are actually watching the games, what what's going on there? Well, Boston College, she had it. An unbelievable game. She scored 27 and had 15 rebounds in wow. that game. Uh, but then again, comes back against Clemson, 0 for 2 and two points on the day. Yeah, and I think it was more of what Clemson was trying to take away. They were very much knocking her around. Clemson, yeah, and Clemson picked its poison. Clemson basically said, you know, we're not going to let Kitley beat us. Yeah, the inside, Elizabeth Kitley has been a lot better. Um, you know, Asia Shepard had probably her best game, one of her best games of the season. Yeah. And, you know, she hasn't, she's been in more of a slump as of late. And Clemson basically said, all right, you know, we'll let you have those shots. And for Gene Tech into making them. But they said, we, you know, we wanted, we want to, you know, make sure Kitley doesn't get anything going. And, and to their point, they did. 
Um, they did a really good job on Kitley. The only problem was Azana Baines and Asia Shepard combined for 43 points to outscore Clemson's 42 points. So, <laughs> well, and Azana Baines down low, it seems like they just pulled her defender over to Kitley because Baines shot 10 of 11 from the floor. Yes. Yeah, and, and she's incredible because she she's not the number one option. You know, she's not even the number two, and probably not the number three option. She's kind of like the. Um, Kenny Kenny Brooks likes to call her the enforcer. She's very much a a scrappy player who's going to fight for the rebounds and, and get the second chance points. But they kind of just sagged off of her a little bit, and you know she just made them pay. Yeah, she she's usually I would say the fifth offensive option at least when the starters. So are she on the she floor. went all James Carnick on him. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> she yeah, did. That, that was a career high for her. Well, that's what happens when you have multiple good players. Yeah. Um, and let's see. So, so it is your watching the games. Kitley's healthy. Yes. She looks healthy. Kitley's okay. healthy, and Kitley, you know, Kitley played thirty uh, something minutes yesterday. She played thirty. So. I looked. So it up. yeah. So Kitley's healthy. They just took her out of the game. I mean, she she had a really good game against Boston College on Sunday. Well, Tech okay. still won the game easily. Yeah, yes. Tech won the game by thirty one. Right, thirty one. So your best player can score two points, and you still won by thirty one. It means you have a lot of good players. Yeah. Well, and it was kind of close at halftime. Tech outscored uh, Clemson thirty four or forty four to seventeen in the second in half. The second half I, right. I saw. I was in the gym the other day, and I saw on the bottom line. I think it was maybe North Carolina versus Miami in women's hoops, and Miami got outscored twenty eight to two in the first quarter. It's it's remarkable when you start dividing the games up into quarters. It's remarkable what you start noticing statistically. Right. Basketball is a game of runs. We all know that, and and when you parse it instead of 20 minutes you parse it into 10 minute increments you get stuff you get like some that. weird you, you see stuff like that in the nba where a team could be down 12 or 15 at the end of the first quarter and they end up winning the game yeah yeah yep. yeah yep. and georgia tech coming up i do want to mention georgia tech i believe just got blown out by nc state earlier this week on monday it just shows you how far above those top two teams in the ACC, NC State and Louisville, are above everybody else. And Tech well, has two road trips to face those teams coming up. Or no, NC State's, NC State's at home. At home. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say Tech played NC State close, and Tech did not even play that well. well. Poorly. And this is this is something I was talking with Will and Chris about the other day. This is a this Virginia Tech team is so talented. Like it's such a su- such a team full of good players that they're going to even if they're not playing well. The Hokies are going to, you know, probably win a lot of games even when they're not playing well. They didn't play well against UVA. They didn't play well against, or the time UVA was in Castle. They didn't play well against Pitt. Um, they did play well yesterday against Clemson. I thought this was one of their better performances of the season. But it shows you that even, you know, they're, they're good enough to even when they're not playing well, like they're still, you know, top four or five team in the conference. So if they're, you know, all firing, firing on all cylinders against a team like NC State, and they get North Carolina again. You know, those are two teams that they lost to earlier in the season. Two of their three ACC losses. I mean, this is this is a, a stretch upcoming here where where Virginia Tech, you know, sitting right outside of the the top sixteen, which is what you need to host in women's basketball, pretty much. 
uh, in the NCAA tournament. You know, Tech is kind of right there. I would say right now, I don't know what Lenar, or what Charlie Cream, the ESPN guy, has them in bracketology, but they could be a really high seed in the tournament if they keep this up. I, I think I checked Sunday before the game. They were on the six line. So with back-to-back wins, Charlie Cream could have them up to the five line after beating BC and Clemson. Not sure. but uh, So this is going to sound awful, but I realized while David was talking that they're, they're good enough that they transition. And I've, I've watched them play Louisville and watched them play NC State and watched them a little bit of that North Carolina game. That, that I figured out quick. <laughs> I didn't want to see that. But they're good enough. They've gotten to the point where I feel like if they lose, it's their fault. And that sounds bad. But typically when I see them lose, they're not hitting shots. And I, it, it, the nice way of saying that is I think they're capable of beating just about anybody. Yeah. Not somebody like Baylor, you know, Baylor last year. <laughs> but within the confines of the ACC, I think they can beat anybody. Yeah, and I think it's it's one of these things where a couple of years ago, NC State, and, and it was NC State, Louisville, and the rest. You know, Dana Evans for, for Louisville, who who's graduated and she's in the WNBA now. I mean, she led that Louisville program – to the highest of heights, and now Louisville's seeing a little bit of decline. They've still got you know Haley Van Lith, and they've got a real ton of really talented players. NC State, you know, NC State won back in 2019. They won the ACC tournament. You know, NC State's not NC State's good, but they're both of those teams have some weaknesses that now the Hokies are better. They can exploit, and this is a team, a Virginia Tech team that you know against. North Carolina in that loss, they just got down early and couldn't fight back. Against NC State, they just didn't really play well for three or four, you know. Three quarters. I was, three, I was about to say three-fourths of the game. And yeah. and it's if you can just play a little bit better, you know, string <laughs> stuff a little bit together. I mean, if they're like I said, if they're playing at the top of their game, they can pretty much beat anybody in the conference because – and that, that's partially because the conference isn't as good. You know, there's it's still a really good conference, but it's more more so because of Virginia Tech is a really talented team, and it right. sh- goes to show you, you know, all the all the the good, really good job that Kenny Brooks has done. And Tech has, they I don't think they've been ranked since early on in the season, but all three of their ACC losses have been against ranked opponents. Correct? Notre Dame was ranked, UNC yeah. and NC State. So Tech beating the teams that they should beat haven't had quite a letdown and since. All, all three Liberty. of them have been on the road. Correct. Yeah. All right, so here's their chance to, to break through. Yep, uh, two ranked games coming up this weekend. So if you're in Blacksburg for the next 10 days and you want to watch basketball, there's no shortage of options for you. Two home women's basketball games against ranked teams and then Virginia Tech's men's basketball team. Saturday, Monday, Saturday, Syracuse, UVA, and North Carolina. Lots of hoops coming up. Should David? add wrestling's on Friday too. Wrestling on Friday as well. Uh, North Carolina. North, I think North Carolina. Was it, was it last year? David, do you remember? Was it last year that North Carolina beat Virginia I, Tech? I think wrestling? so. Two years ago. Two years, two ago. years ago when, when Tech was like t- number three in the country. Yes. And North Carolina came out and stomped. Tech, Tech did not wrestle well. It, it was a night. good crowd that night too. It was just, that was a huge I, I want to say down. David McFadden got Tech falled or something like that. So, yeah, that rings a bell. It was, just, it was it a weird night. It went south early and... Mm. So make sure to check that out too. Castle Coliseum going to be busy over the next ten days or so, and also baseball coming up uh, soon as well. Uh, softball starts softball their season starts on Friday. Friday too. At least someone's going to start playing baseball soon, because <laughs> <laughs> the pros aren't going to do it. Excuse me, the minor leaguers will. They're, they're going to be normal. Huh? Yeah. Another big event coming up this weekend before we get to YouTube chat. It is Super Bowl weekend, so before we get out of here, I want to get your guys' Super Bowl picks: Rams and Bengals. Who I'll, you guys I'll, got? I would pick. 
if there if it was like the old days and there was no bye week between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl, I would pick the Bengals. But I think they'll cool down during 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 the bye week. And quite frankly, like if the Chiefs hadn't decided to go for it from the three yard line mm. right before halftime last week, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so. I have no opinion, really. Um, none. Uh, it probably make my wife's hair stand on end to say this because she was a lifelong steel. She is a lifelong Steelers fan. I'd probably like to see the Bengals win. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think just because of the poor luck that the Lions franchise has had over Matt, the years. Matt Stafford, Stafford wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am. I'm a Ravens fan, but you know, and I would like to see Joe Burrow win just because I, I don't. I'm sure you know this, Jake. Joe Burrow, if he wins a Super Bowl, he would be the first player to ever in two years win the Heisman and National Championship and a Super Bowl. Well, the first player to ever do that, and he's going to do it within th- two within, years. Yeah, two years two, of each other. Two, yeah. two seasons. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I'd I'd like to see Joe Burrow win, and I have some friends that are Bengals fans, but I hope the Bengals win. Um, I I think the Rams are going to win. I mean, the Rams defense is just insane. Cincinnati's offensive line is not very good. Um, when you've got Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey on a, on a defense that's that that good, and also, I, it's like who which quarterback you can't hate on either quarterback. You know Joe yeah. Burrow's awesome, and then Matthew Stafford. I mean, after you everything, kind of feel bad for yeah, him. after everything you went through in Detroit. <laughs> I think I think the poor guy had to live in Detroit. For 10 years. <laughs> I, I think the I think the Rams. You know, I think Cooper Cup's gonna have a have a day. I think the Rams are gonna win. All right, so we got Rams, Rams, Bengals. I'm, mine's a rooting interest. You're not rooting a, for not the Bengals, right? I, I'm going to root for the Rams. I'm still salty about the Bengals taking out my Titans. <laughs> where, where, so. did, where did Cooper Cup go to college? Eastern Washington. Okay, uh, as, as expected. Eastern he was. Washington. I want to say his the all-time FCS uh, receiving leader. Yeah, his stat lines are insane. He would have like 250 yard games. Yeah, he, in in the age of NIL, that dude be transferring. <laughs> he would have. He would have been at Alabama his senior year. Or something Rolling like. in Texas. Uh, all right, well, let's check in with David. Any good questions in the YouTube chat before we get out of here? Uh, yeah. Um, you guys mind if I throw you a football question? Sure, please. <laughs> um, it, it does not concern Virginia Tech. It's actually um, uh, Ronnie Adams asked, uh, do the coaching hires at Miami scare you? Uh, yes and no. Um I'm glad they're happening because uh, for all the reasons I stated earlier, the, the ACC needs to get better. I, I think Virginia Tech benefits from a good Miami. I, I think for this program dropped off when most of our competition dropped off. Like We kept beating UVA and thumping our chests about it when we had no right to because they were horrible. You know, We stopped playing West Virginia. Um, Carolina's generally always a paper tiger. Um Miami dropped off the face of the earth. If you look at the other side of the division, you know, Florida State has been bad for the last six or seven years. Um, only Clemson has held this league up, and Tech never plays them. Um, I think Virginia Tech was at their peak when, like, they had a goal, like, catch Miami, right? You, you play Miami every year in the Big East. That's who you knew you had to beat. And in, in state, you know, UVA was a top 25 program back then. <clears throat> So Virginia Tech had two teams they played every year. One a top 10 level opponent, national championship level opponent like Miami, and then Virginia was a top 25 program back then. And Tech played them every year. And the fact that those teams were good gave Virginia Tech something to drive for, and it made Virginia Tech better. Um, there's, 
the, this league needs to get better, and I, I think if the league gets better, Virginia Tech's ceiling gets higher. Um, you, you're, you're, it means you're, you're competing against a higher level team. You, you have to raise your game. you got to play games that matter, right. and I don't mean on the ACC network. Right. Which, unfortunately, is probably going to be the trend in the coming years. Yeah. Um, you're, you're correct about all that. And does, do Miami's hires scare me? No, my attitude is, is bring it on. The one team you didn't mention was Pitt. I think that's actually job one for Virginia Tech is to stop getting pushed around by Pittsburgh. <laughs> right. Um, now, granted, uh, they, they won a game against Pitt. It was either last year or the year before. But for the most part, Pitt has been the better, more physical team for about five years now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first thing that has to stop. Right. And then we'll deal with the Miami part. <laughs> and for those who don't know, Miami just hired Josh Gaddis away from Michigan. Was just named <clears throat> assistant coach of the year okay. as their offensive. I heard Georgia's DB coach. Yeah, and you know, Alex Georgia has been moved spent to one defense. year there from after moving from uh, from from West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, outstanding secondary coach. He's had a pretty short career so far, but the results have been awesome. I mean, West Virginia's defense was awesome when he was yep. there. Obviously, Georgia is quite good. Uh, so. These are big-time hires by Miami, and, you know, it was written back in – remember when the whole lead-up to Manny Diaz Diaz getting fired and nobody knew whether he was going to get fired or not, but it started coming out that Miami was going to donate – or, excuse me, dedicate a lot more resources to football. And apparently they were serious about it. (laughs) Well, I really hope that the – for the the ACC, I hope that Miami's rumored on-campus stadium becomes a thing. Right. That would that would be awesome. Just a little forty forty five thousand seat stadium yeah. there that the students can get to, yeah. and yeah, I'd absolutely. love to see that. I mean, we I don't like Miami, of course, but we need Miami to be better. I mean, like I said, the next time you push up to a negotiating table with ESPN, you've got to have some cards to play. And <laughs> so right now, he doesn't have any. ESPN has fallen out of love with Virginia Tech, but they haven't fallen out of love with Miami yet. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. Uh, let's get one more from the YouTube chat, David. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I think I know what. Well, maybe I don't know what Chris is going to say. Um, Eric Fisher asks if you could flip one basketball loss to a W this season. Xavier. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Was yeah. Uh, uh, just as a quad because it would be yes. quad, quad one yeah. Yeah. Well, um, no, I, I'm, I'm saying yeah. that realistically, like I, because I think because yeah, that game it was also bu- it was also on a, on the buzz. Yeah, right, right, obviously right. you may say Duke. Well, yeah, but, I would say Duke, but but like Tech lost that game by double figures, yeah. so I'm trying to make it realistic. And, you know, that was a one-possession game against Xavier, so that's the one I would for. I, th- I think I'd have to go along with that one as well. I, I think just thinking about the way that it ended, Tech probably yeah, should have yeah. won that game. And yeah, t- Tech played, didn't play well against Dayton. And, and, you know, they played well for 75% of the game against UNC and Duke, but they did lose both by double figures. So yeah. I, I go with the game that they had the best chance to win, Xavier. Xavier, yeah. that's That's what I would pick, and I think – I mean, I was, I've been at all three. I've been at three of those four games. I was at the, the Duke Carolina games and the Dayton game. I remember just, you know, that was one thing that that uh, the Dayton did well is they pressed Tech. Yeah, and, they got up like what, like twelve nothing, thirteen nothing. Yeah, that was that game where just nobody scored. Yeah, for the and, longest and they, time. And they pressed and they pressed and they pressed and they re- Tech really struggled with that. The yeah. Xavier game was was the one where Justin. You know, Tech had two chances at the buzzer. I think one was a Justin Mutz tipping, and, mm-hmm. and Tech just missed it. And and that's a game that, um, as we've talked about before, you know, it could have gone the Hokies' way, and it was slim margin. So we, we were talking about this in the office yesterday. The just so let's say Tech, let's say Justin Mutz tipping, Justin Mutz's tipping goes in. 
And Virginia Tech is 15 and 9 instead of 14 and 10. With a, with a quad, with a quad one, one win. And let's say Miami misses the half court three pointer and Tech wins in overtime. You're 16 and 8. That resume is a lot. Yeah, Seven really six in the ACC, above 500 now. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you flip Tech and Carolina. Yep. Maybe. Because Tech has a quad one win. Maybe. Yep. Uh, I don't know. But. A lot of what ifs, but Tech can can kind of get rid of those if they can win a few more games. If you beat Miami on the road, if you can beat Clemson on the road, win a couple of these games at home. I, I think Tech's motto this year for basketball, stone by stone, is very, very appropriate for this season. One like, game at a time. It's very cliche to say, oh, take it one at a time. But, yeah, just let's go one at a time and see what happens. Next one is Syracuse. And speaking of which... What do we got coming up on Tech Sideline? I, I assume a Syracuse preview coming up sometime in the next few days. Yeah, I. Uh, it's going to be a busy week. Um, yeah, I'll have a I'll have a Syracuse preview. Kind of just, I think I'll probably preview Syracuse and UVA, which is a big Monday game next yep. week. That's huge. Um, and we've got obviously women's basketball content. Chris Hirons' recap of last night's win is up on the up on the site, um, TechSideline.com. Uh, we've got softball that starts this. Friday, um, big big tournament. Chip Grubb season preview was up last Friday, um, and then baseball. We'll have some baseball coverage coming up sometime here soon. And besides that, just a lot of games. We got wrestling. <laughs> Tech Talk Live will be tomorrow on Thursday. So a lot of stuff going on. Lots of Jack, games. Jack Brizendine's been working very hard. Very on. hard. I, I, I <laughs> plan to write an in-state recruiting article for tomorrow. Also, nice. I think we've pretty much finished accumulating all the data that we're going to get as far as the visits yeah. around the state. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll transfer that into a graphical format, and I'll wrap an article around it. Now, I, I, I do not think, you know, and I know this might make some people angry, but I'm not, I'm not sure that what Tech's coaching staff is doing right now is going to bear fruit this year. I think it may be next year. 2023 probably. Yeah, yeah because if, if, you, if you look, uh, 24-7 is just building out their in-state list. And last I looked, they had 12 – prospects ranked in state in their composite rankings and penn state's already got commitments from four of the top ten yeah those guys committed before brent pry even got here yeah you know, you know yeah. so and they're all like offensive line I, I, I don't think you're gonna see some big uh, um uh change in virginia tech's in-state recruiting for the 2023 class i think you want to start paying attention to 2024 well, it's going to be the long game wait yeah. it out it, it'll bear fruit eventually uh, I think that's going to about wrap it up. Anybody yeah. got anything else here? I think that'll do it for episode 223 of the Tech Sideline podcast. First half, we dove into ACC hoops and a lot of Virginia Tech talk on the other side. Big games coming up. Please enjoy those. That'll wrap things up. Will Stewart across the way, founder and general manager of TechSideline.com, at Will Stewart, TSL on Twitter. Be sure to give him a follow. Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for TechSideline, at Chris Coleman, TSL on Twitter. And like and subscribe like. to our YouTube channel, which has gained a lot of subscribers recently. And, so. and, and turn the comments. Yeah, leave comments and turn the notifications on. Hit that bell uh, if you want to know when we're going live with the podcast. Uh, David Cunningham giving a lot of great insight in the fourth chair today at the Real D Cunna on Twitter. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes always does a great job as the best podcast producer in the land. And I'm your host, Jake Lyman, signing off. Enjoy the games the rest of the week, Hokies fans. We'll see you next time.